a while back I was listening to an interview from with Ira Glass and he was interviewing three teenage girls and they were talking about the world of Instagram and talking about posting selfies and the comments that they make on each other's post. Uh, they, they, they write things like gorgeous, pretty, stunning, you're beautiful, you're the cutest. Now, these are things like Thomas White and Jim O'Donnell post on their Instagram post. And, and they, were, they were talking about the meaning behind posting things in certain ways and why they say certain things and what's the difference between liking a post and commenting on a post um, and whose post you comment on and whose post you don't comment on and, and what all of that means. And a lot of what's going on is simply just affirming one another and, and what you've posted there. But at one point in the interview, it was pointed out that if you post a selfie that isn't that flattering of, of yourself, that you run the risk of somebody copying that and distributing that and, and spreading it around and gossiping it about you and just feeling the shame that comes from that. And so to guard against this, what you can do is you can send a test selfie out to a group of friends and say, hey, how, do I look okay? Is, is this good? Can I post this? It's kind of doing some, some uh, test marketing, as it were, before you send it to the whole world. Uh, they also get and send texts, talk about sending texts to friends. Hey, will you like my post? Will you drive up some of my numbers here? And, and Ira Glass finally says, this sounds like so much work. Um, you sound like you have a full-time job. And, and one of the girls replied and said this, it's like I'm a brand. I'm the director. I'm the promoter. To stay relevant, you have to work hard. You have to promote your brand. You have to promote yourself. And so he asked them, well, what does it mean to be relevant? And they replied, people care about what you're posting. They care about what you're doing. People open your storyline on Snapchat. That's that's what it means to be relevant. And so this is the storyline that they're living their lives by. To stay relevant, you have to craft an image of yourself that people will like and that people will care about and that people will be interested in. And it, and it all sounds so exhausting, doesn't it? I mean, it just sounds so exhausting. But we get caught up in living by stories that exhaust us as well. It's not just the world of Instagram. We, we feel the pressure to be the perfect mom with the perfect children, with the perfect house that's always in order. We, we, we get caught up in the pressure of having to be always respected in our profession and well-known in our community and successful and thought well of in church and having it all together all the time and always having our ducks in a row. And it can just be so exhausting. And so my question to you this morning is, what if, what if there's a better story to live by? What if there's a better story to live by? A, a story that's not so exhausting. A story that gives you freedom from obsessing about what other people think about you. A story that that frees you from performing all of the time. A story that makes sense of the world. A story that explains evil and and why it's here. A story that talks about honestly about our sin and also offers us forgiveness. A story that can cover our shame and the things that we regret and wish that we hadn't done. A story that frees us from worry. A story that ends well. A story about 
what blessing really is and where blessing truly comes from. That's the story that we're going to hear about this morning. So look with me. I'm going to be reading again, starting in Genesis 12, then we'll move down to Genesis 15 and Galatians 3. Now, this is God's Word. Now, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Then in Galatians 3, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. I pray for us. Father, would you meet with us this morning? Uh, Would you give me good words and clear words to say? Uh, Father, would you open our ears and and cause us to hear from you? Would you soften our hearts and uh, cause these words of yours to to find a home in our hearts and bring about change? Holy Spirit, uh, would you work through me and in spite of me and, and in us and in spite of us to work faith in Jesus? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, the general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers um, said about LeBron James, and this is prior to him winning a championship there in Cleveland, he said the most important thing in his life is winning a championship here. He is consumed by it. And, And LeBron's not alone in that, is he? Respected college football coaches are fired simply because they haven't our coaches in all levels are fired simply because they aren't producing championships on the field success equals winning championships it's one of the stories that we live by winning getting likes on instagram successful children more money in the bank 
uh, a better lifestyle. Uh, in, in our minds, winning equals blessing. Winning equals blessing. I, I even have a friend who likes to say second place is just first loser. Second place is just first loser. And, and that, that's one of the stories that we're told in our, in our culture. That's a story that we live our life by. The problem is that those stories don't always deliver, do they? There's not that many of us that actually win the championship. Or if we do, the, the euphoria wears off much quicker than we thought it would. And we find ourselves disappointed and, and thirsting for more all over again. We're, we're desperate for another win. We get likes on Instagram and then we're, we're desperate for more likes of the next post. We never get enough likes. And all the, the money in the world can't free us from the disappointment of living in, that comes with living in a broken world. Tim Keller writes, when we first fall in love, when we first marry, when we finally break into our chosen field, when we at last get that weekend house, these breakthroughs arouse in us anticipation of something which, as it turns out, never happens. We eventually discover that our desire for that precious something is a longing no lover or career or achievement, even the best possible ones can ever satisfy. And so what do we do when we're not satisfied, when we're, when we're lacking in joy, when we haven't found what we spent all this energy looking for? Uh, drawing on C.S. Lewis, Keller says we do one of three things. He says we blame the thing itself. We think, well, this wife isn't doing it for me, so I just need a better wife or a better husband. I just, it was the job. I just need a better job. It was the boss. He's always on me. I just need a better boss. These friends, it's them. They're just always sucking the joy out of my life. I just need better friends. And so we just blame the things around us. And we find ourselves bored. We find ourselves never content, never able to settle. Always casting one thing off and moving on to the next thing, hoping that that's going to do it for us. We blame the thing. Uh, the second thing we can do is we can blame ourselves. I've just, I've made bad choices. I've, I've failed. I've, and so I've just got to do better. I've just got to try harder. I've just got to get up earlier. I've just got to work later. I've, I've just got to get my act together and get it done. When I mentioned LeBron James earlier, when he was 31, he had already played more minutes and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson had played in their entire careers, and yet he was still playing 82 games a year and still never coming out of games for rest, running himself down in pursuit of that championship. And he got that championship, but, but will it satisfy him? I, I, I don't know, because so often we, we get that and then nothing. It doesn't do what we thought it would do. Tom Brady's infamous quote of, of having all these wonderful things in his life and somebody asked him, uh, you know, do you, do you think this is it? Have you arrived? And he's like, man, I hope not. I hope this isn't all there is. He'd worked so hard to get there, and then it still left him empty. And so we, when we find ourselves dissatisfied, we blame the thing, or we blame ourselves, or the third thing we can do is we can just blame the universe. Say, so you know what, it's just, life just kind of stinks, and that's just the way it is. And maybe... Those dreams could have been possible for me when I was younger, but I, it just isn't going to happen now. And so we just get more and more cynical and more and more hardened about life. 
And Keller suggests that we blame all of these things, but we still haven't blamed the right thing. We still haven't blamed our lack of relationship with God. We've never realized, or maybe we've simply forgotten, that real blessing comes from knowing God. That He's the source of blessing. That He's the source of ultimate joy. We're trying to pull joy out of all these things, and it never lasts. And lasting joy comes from knowing God. A couple years ago in his, his last meeting with the Georgia football team, Mark Rick, who was departing as their head coach, said, Life is about people, not rings. Rings collect dust. And, and what, did he, what did he just say? He just said, I'm living my life by a different story than all of you nuts in the football crazy south. Okay, and I'm one of those nuts. Uh, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm living by a different story than the rest of you are living by. See, blessing comes from knowing and being known. From loving and being loved by other people. And it comes from knowing and being known and loving and being loved by the supreme person. Who's God himself. True blessing is found in knowing God. In Genesis 12, God calls Abraham and he says, I will bless you. Blessing comes from knowing me. So what does that that blessing look like then? The text says that there was land involved in this blessing. There was descendants involved in this blessing. But there was more. He says, in you, Abram, all the families of the earth, the whole earth is going to be blessed through you. Now, how in the world can giving land and descendants to Abraham bring blessing to the entire world? How in the world can can giving giving land and descendants to to this guy in the Middle East bring blessing to you and me here today? Well, that's where Galatians ties in. Look at the Galatians passage again, verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, those people like you and me, by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And what's Paul saying? Paul is saying that the blessing that is promised to Abraham is justification by faith in so many words. He's saying the blessing that's promised to Abraham is the gospel, the good news about Jesus, this good news that one has come and died for our sins and that through faith in him, we can have a relationship with God. That, that we ourselves can actually know God, that the families of the earth will be blessed by knowing God. Now look, Paul understood that the first thing that these promises referred to was the land of Canaan, which God would give to Abraham's physical descendants. He he wasn't ignorant of the Old Testament. He knew the Old Testament better than, than any of us do. But he also knew that there was more going on than just Abraham getting some real estate in the Middle East and then giving that to his Descendants, because Abraham, I mean, because God said that in Abraham's seed, 
all the families of the earth would be blessed. And that wasn't going to be brought about by a bunch of his descendants just hanging out there in Palestine. Paul understood that both the land and the seed ultimately had a spiritual significance. God wasn't just having you know, a land giveaway that day. But these promises had a spiritual significance. He was giving a spiritual inheritance. That there was relationship with him to be had to all who believe in Jesus and then are connected to God by faith. Uh, look at verse 16, Galatians. You don't have that in your bulletin. I have it in my Bible, though. It's a good thing. Um, Galatians 3.16 Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say into offsprings referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. All right, so all of these blessings point us, Paul says, to Abraham. Now Paul understood to get kind of technical here for a minute. That the word offspring or the word seed, as some of your translations may use, is a collective noun and it can refer to more than one person and it often does. He, it, it, he uses it that way sometimes. It can also be used to refer just to one person. And Paul knew that Abraham's offspring, plural in the plural sense, would be as many as the stars in the sky. But he wanted to emphasize that ultimately this promise made to Abraham pointed to one offspring, singular. And that the blessings that came to the many offspring came as they were connected to the one offspring. That the, the way all of these multitude of descendants were going to be blessed is through what was going on with that one offspring who is Jesus Christ. Blessing comes to the many through a relationship with the one who is Jesus. Uh, the picture Jesus uses, he talks about um, abiding in him as the, uh, the, the branches on a vine are connected to the vine. We think of limbs on a tree being connected to a tree. If they're severed from the tree, there's no blessing for them. But if they're connected to that tree, then, then the life of the tree flows into the branches and so we are blessed as the branches as we are connected to the tree who is Jesus Christ. What, what did Jesus do that was so great and so needful for us? Look at verse 13 again. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. What's Paul saying there? He said, Jesus became accursed for us. What does that mean? Jesus took the punishment for our sin. Jesus on the cross was taking the punishment, was, was, was receiving the due justice for our law breaking. He did the work that needed to be done so that we could experience the blessings promised to Abraham's offspring. Jesus what needed, did what needed to be done to bring us into a relationship with God. To bring us into a place where we could know God and be known by God. Where we could love God and be loved by God. Where we could know forgiveness and peace 
the adoption of sons and daughters. We can know God's blessing. And so all of that is to say, Paul is, is screaming at us, blessing is found in Christ. Blessing is found in Christ because Christ is the one who enables us to come back to God and to know him and to be known by him because he has hung on the cross for us and made the way back to him. Uh, at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, and you should have seen it by now, it's the first one, um, there is a crash. The ship is going down, and everybody survives. Now, why does everybody in that crash survive? They survived because they were all in Groot. Now, Groot, if you've never seen, is like this... I don't even know how to describe Groot now that I think about it. He, he's like this, this, this tree-like creature who can just shoot limbs everywhere. They just kind of grow off of him. And so there's just, he can just make, he can encase all of us in wood if he wanted to. And basically that's what he does to the people on the ship. He encases them with himself. And then the ship crashes and everyone survives except Groot because he absorbed the force of the crash. And all who were inside him, who were connected to him, who were surrounded by him, live. And that's the gospel. If, if we are in Christ, if we are protected by him, he absorbs the wrath of God. The wrath of God crashes into Jesus on the cross and he absorbs that. And we are freed, we are forgiven, we are saved because of what Christ has done for us. We find blessing in Christ. Um, if, there was, if there was just one thing that I could grab you and make you believe every morning when you get out of bed, if, if there's just one thing I could grab myself and make myself believe every morning when I get out of bed, it would be this. Blessing comes from knowing God. Blessing comes from knowing God. Um, blessing comes from having a relationship with God. Rings gather dust. And that's what they do at the end of the day. Rings gather dust. Instagram likes are going to disappear into your feed, never to be seen again. Life is about knowing a person. Life is about knowing God and being in a relationship with God. That's where we find blessing. There's a, there's a praise chorus to an old song. I don't, I don't know that we ever sing it. I think it's Jesus, Lamb of God. But there's a line where it says, You're the treasure that I seek. You're the treasure that I seek. You know, in the, the story of the prodigal son, uh, the younger brother is running off into the far country looking for... What's he looking for? He's looking for treasure. He's looking for blessing. He, he's looking for something to give his life meaning and significance. And he's looking in the wrong place. Uh, some of us are off this morning. We're here, but really spiritually, we're, we're off in the far country. Because we're, we're out there every day looking for blessing in all of the wrong places. When real blessing is found in a restored relationship with God. And then found in growing in that relationship with God. In knowing Him and being known by Him. And yet we keep looking. We keep looking in other places because we're not convinced that it's going to be found in knowing God. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote, Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. 
We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. That's that's what we do so often. We're making mud pies in the slum. It's like this is as good as it's going to get. And this is where blessing is going to be found. And we're being offered this beautiful vacation at the sea, at the beach. And we can't even imagine how great that would be. No, this this is fine. I'll just stay here in my slum and make mud pies. Psalm 16, 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What if we really believe that? Like, what if that one just a Bible verse? Oh, it sounds kind of cool. Like, what if we actually practically believe that? What if we live by that story? What if we live by that story? How would that affect the way that I use Instagram? How would that affect the way that I approach work? About how would that affect how much time I spend at work? How would that affect how I go about my work? How would that affect the things that I'm chasing day in and day out? How would that help me when I am struggling and when life is hard and the kids are sick again and the kids are sick again and the kids are sick again and work is still not going well? How would that affect me when I'm dealing with things that I never thought I was going to have to deal with, that I always thought there was going to be somebody else who would have to deal with those, but now I'm dealing with those and I can't figure out what to do. How would that affect me? How would it affect me if I really thought there was fullness of joy in God's presence? How would that affect the way I approach public worship? How would that affect the way I think about private worship and spending time with God myself? in prayer if I thought there was fullness of joy to be found in the presence of God. If I thought there was more joy to be found there than spending another eight hours binging something on Netflix. Uh, in the um, Charlie Brown Christmas special, you, know, you guys remember Charlie Brown brings this tiny shaggy Christmas tree to everybody and they just boo him and reject him and he gets laughed out of the building by all his friends who want this big glamorous Christmas tree but then everything changes and they go and find Charlie Brown and they decorate the Christmas tree and they gather around it and they sing silent night now what is the before and after picture what happened in between well in between Linus got up and read a story That's all that happened. He got up and read from the Bible. He read a story about a child who had come into the world, and that child changed everything. And that child and his story changed everything, and that child was Jesus Christ. See, the the blessings promised to Abraham, the, the blessings promised to you and to me, Today, the blessing of knowing God and having a relationship with Him come through faith in Jesus Christ and what He has done. And that story, that true story, is offered to you this morning. It's offered to you this morning. And the invitation is to stop trying to build your life around the stories that the world gives you and to build your life on this story about Jesus Christ who loves you and has come 
to die for you so that your sins might be forgiven and so that you might know God and know pleasure in Him forevermore. And it all comes not by doing something. It comes through faith in Jesus and trusting Him. I'll close with this. What if I told you this morning that one of the best ways to go deeper into this treasure that you have in Jesus is to go and to share Him with other people? Now, that might be scary to many of us, but if you read the story of Abraham, one of the main things that jumps out at you is that Abraham is told to go. And then Jesus comes along and he tells his disciples to go. Go and make other disciples. And he says, and I'll be with you always as you are doing this, but but go and tell other people about me. See, I think the one, one of the reasons that Christianity feels so unreal to many of us, one of the reasons we lack joy and passion about God, the reason we feel like we don't know Him that well, is because we're not going. We're not going. We're, we're, we're busy. We're building our own comfortable, hopefully safe and secure kingdom, but we're not going. We're, well, we are going. We're going out and we're pursuing the American dream because that's a story that we live by, that we've been trained to live by. But we're not stepping out on faith into awkward, scary situations where the only safety net we have is God. We're not getting into conversations where we, we may not know the answer or, or what to say. We're not putting ourselves into situations where we have to lean on God. And so we don't lean on God. And so instead of a friend who is with us on a journey, God feels more like a distant relative that we check in with from time to time when we need something. Or like a college student who checks in with mom and dad when they, hey, send money. But that's the only time we check in. And so that feels very distant. If you want to experience the blessing of knowing God to its fullness, you got to go. You got to go. What, what do I mean by that? I mean, you and I have to figure out what it looks like for us in our respective callings, in the things that He has done us to do, to carry out the Great Commission every day. We've been blessed in order to be a blessing. What, is that, what does that look like for me as a lawyer? What does that look like for me as a teacher? What does that look like for me when I go to the gym? What does that look like for me? As I raise my family, what does that look like for me in my neighborhood and, and in all the places God has placed me? I think this, this begins with us looking around us and figuring out, all right, who has God just placed in my life naturally by his providence? And we start praying for them and asking them questions and seeking to get to know them. And then we look at the people in our city who don't know Jesus and, we, and, and the places where we know there needs to be more greater gospel impact. And we ask ourselves, well, how do I get myself into that situation? And how can I get into a place where I can know those people and tell them about Jesus? It looks like us spending time with our neighbors, uh, inviting them to Bible studies, yes, but, but maybe it's inviting them to come over and watch The Walking Dead with us or something. And just pouring into a relationship to, to get to know the people around us. 
That's going, not staying, not just getting more knowledge poured in us, but going and telling people about Jesus and building bridges and relationships with them so that we can tell them about Jesus. Now you might say, well, okay, that's great, but that sounds exhausting too. Uh, Maybe. But what if you're in love with the story? What if you're in love with the story? What if you're in love with the Jesus who loves you even though you're a sinner? That loved you even when you were struggling? Even when you were so angry? Even when you knew you were such a failure? Who loved you even when you were yelling at all the people around you and shattering the relationships in your life? Even when you were addicted? Even when your house doesn't... It's just, it's just a wreck and you're so, so ashamed of it. What if, what if you're in love with that Jesus who loved you in the midst of, of all of your failings? What if you didn't have to spend so much emotional energy and so much time promoting your own brand? What if we just didn't have to do that? Convincing people, I'm okay, I belong here, I've got my, I've got my junk together. What if you could just say, I'm a mess. I'm a mess in so many ways. Let me, let me tell you about those ways. And let me tell you about this Jesus who loves me even though I am a mess. I don't think that would be exhausting at all. Just to, to tell people I'm a wreck and then point them to Jesus. I actually think it would bring us into an experience of joy and blessing that we don't even realize is possible. Or that we think is going to be found somewhere else and it's right here in front of us and all we need to do is be needy and point people to Jesus let me pray for us Father I pray uh, that the gospel would be heard this morning and that you really would help us to, to realize we don't have to spend all this time and energy promoting our brands and that we would be able to be honest about who we are and that we would see where blessing is really found Lord God would you, would you open hearts even this morning and draw people to faith in Jesus cause us to see him uh, hanging on the cross not just in the abstract but, but hanging on the cross because he loved us Pray this in his name. Amen.